the Equipping for Life podcast by Pastor Tony Paolo. Listen as Pastor Tony provides tactical tools to overcome obstacles in your everyday life. Turn to your Bibles, John chapter 1, verse 43. Today we're going to talk about the dynamic of the invite. The dynamic of the invitation. Come and see. And I'm particularly excited about this message because I've, I've, I'm coming to realize, and after preaching last week on the woman at the well, I'm coming to realize that the gospel message is about invitation. And invitation is so far, um, so far superior than instruction. We want to jump to instruction. We learned last week that Jesus built the rapport before he came with the rebuke. Jesus had the invitation, then the instruction came along. We want to instruct. We want to tell people what to do. Well, you, now you know Jesus, I notice you smell like tobacco. You got to stop smoking cigarettes, you know. I found that the Holy Spirit is uh, better at convicting and teaching James than we are. You know what I'm saying? And so I love the power of invitation. That's what we're going to talk about uh, today. And I'm coming to realize that your life is one big invitation. Your life is actually one big RSVP. And there's invitations. How many invitations have gone out already regarding the gospel that we're waiting, that people we know? How many of you have people in your family and friends that you know that don't serve Christ that you're still believing for? Pretty much every person here has a family member that we're still believing God for that hasn't RSVP'd the invitation. And so today we're just believing God for a real uh, clarity that to understand the good news is invitation. Religion is instruction. You ever heard the phrase religious instruction? When I was 13, I got religious instruction. But if there's no real change, the invite works better. So I'm here to provoke, uh, provoke your paradigm that this is an invitation. This is not an invitation to church. This is an invitation. Just because you invite someone to your church, that doesn't mean you're discipling them. This true discipleship is an invitation into life, into your life, into a way of life. And you know, it so goes against the Western mind, mindset. The Western, us Americans, I like my space, I like my privacy. Remember growing up as kids when they would ring the bell? Everybody say, somebody's ringing the bell, let's see who it is. Oh, help my. And like, it, all the kids would make a, a rush. Now it's like, oh my gosh, somebody's ringing the bell. Who is it? Check the ring. <laughs> it looks like a Jehovah Witness. No, it's a pest exterminator. <laughs> the Western mindset is, I come home. I don't want to talk to anybody. This is not how I am. You're like this. I don't like people. I don't want to talk to people. People annoy me. Draw the shades. I don't want anybody to talk to me. I'm in a bad mood. That's the Western mindset. <laughs> Welcome to America. Discipleship is, I'm inviting you into my life to see how I live, to see how I face success, to see how I face failure, to see how I deal with anger, to see how I deal with, with valleys as well as mountaintops. So in the, the, the whole process here is somewhere along the line, people stop becoming a priority. But Jesus left heaven because people were a priority. So James chapter, uh, John chapter 1 verse 43 says this. Let's read the word together. 
The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Jesus found, this is how I read the Bible and how I underlined it. Jesus found Philip. Think about it. Do you remember the day Jesus found you? You know why he founded it? You <laughs> found founded it? Did it? You? Because you were lost. I was once lost. Now I'm found. I was once blind. Now I see. Jesus, I love it. Jesus found, and he said to him, "Follow me." Now Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Now, verse forty-five. You know, we just read Jesus found Philip. Now here we read Philip found Nathaniel. I love this part because there's nothing in there. You know, sometimes you want to, you try to preach people into the kingdom. I know it talks about make disciples and preach the gospel. But man, make your, let your light shine. Don't preach, don't preach. This, uh, you know, sometimes we'll walk through Providence and somebody will just kind of side, side, will just kind of, and I'm like, you know, I try to be nice. He starts preaching at me. And I'm kind of like, okay, you're a bit much. I don't tell him that. But as a young guy, I start the conversation. I said, listen, you're better off if you tried this because if it would have been anybody else, they would have said not interested. Because the gospel is an invitation. The gospel requires, you are the light of the world. I want you to notice, when we turn, when you turn a light bulb in your home, light never struggles to go on. Unless you're not paying your bill. Because, <laughs> yo, that Rhode Island energy bill is real. Jesus, take the wheel. I'm like, I don't, you, we're away three weeks. I'm like, I didn't use this electricity. But lights never struggle to come on. When you turn a light on, you know what a light bulb does? I'm here. Well, pop, that's it. Boom. Well, no, no, I like to be hidden. And it's all about Jesus. I like to be, that's not what the Bible says here. Jesus found Philip. Philip found Nathaniel. And Philip starts saying to him, listen, we found the dude what Moses wrote about in the law, about the prophets who wrote Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And he, Philip was so lost for words, impacted by the ministry of Jesus. All he could say to Nathaniel was, come and see. But we begin in verse 43. That just has me stuck on that phrase, Jesus found Philip. Now the key thing about this phrase is that there are times, it's possible that we didn't know we were lost. You ever witness your family and they're like, I feel fine. I'm not lost. They don't feel lost. But when you come in contact, and we learned this last week, that the woman at the well wasn't aware of her spiritual thirst. She was only aware of her physical thirst. She wasn't aware of her spiritual thirst until she came in contact with Jesus. So as a salt of the earth, when we come in contact with people, we tap into their thirst and we make them aware of that spiritual thirst. But he says, Jesus found Philip. And Philip's life was so changed. Philip's life was so dr drastic, he became an evangelist, he preached, he, he baptized an Ethiopian eunuch. He realized that the gospel was not only for the Jews, but it was for everyone. He didn't know what to say to Nathaniel, except in verse 46, come and see. Have there been times in your life where you try to explain what God has done in your life, and you're like, I, I just don't know how to put it into words. You just have to come and experience there have been times when I'm in Providence and I'm talking to somebody who's just 
really, really good at debating, and they just know all about science, and, and they try to debate with me, and I feel so overwhelmed that all I can do is tell them about my experience. And experience always trumps a debate. A debate is facts, and experience is truth. Truth always, and it's the truth that sets you free. And so with Philip, all he could say to Nathaniel was, you need to come. I can't explain it. I'm really not good at explaining it. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. I'm st I feel like I'm, I, I'm trying to get my life together, but you just have to come and see the grace of God that's on my life. This good news is really, the good news is the message of Jesus. Is one mass invitation to the world. For God so loved the and John 3.16 is God sending an invitation to the world. And some people still have not RSVP. It's just, have you ever, I, I remember it when, when our kids were in uh, kindergarten, they, they would say, if you're going to send out a birthday invitation to the kids, um, don't give them to in school. Because that would mean as a six-year-old in kindergarten, you would get an invitation, you would get an invitation. You would go, oh, you're invited to my birthday party. Not you. You. <laughs> yeah, oh, I know. It's sad, right? So the teacher would say, mail them straight to the house. Have you ever expected to get an invitation and you don't get one? Just to let you know, I'm just going to give you a heads up now. My daughter's getting married in one month. If you had not gotten an invitation by now, you're not getting one. Don't come up to me and ask me. I didn't get an invitation. Does that make sense, James? You're okay, right? See? But this invitation... I know my daughter's texting me first service. <laughs> People be texting me while I'm preaching. It's so rude. The wedding's October 11, 2025. <laughs> but the gospel is an invitation to the world. Whether you think God exists or not, the invite still got to your house. That's a fact. The experience of the gospel message is one mass invitation. And your life is a platform. You are the light. You are the salt. Now, I know there's a lot of people, even here, you have a lot of questions. I'm not really good at preaching. I get nervous. I don't know what to say. I don't know scripture. I know kind of some things, but I don't, and I get very, very nervous. But reality, the transformation in your life is itself an invitation. That is it. Let your life speak louder than your lips. If you are shining the light of Jesus Christ, that is itself an invitation. A changed life automatically becomes an invitation to the gospel. Come and see. Now, you may not say come and see, but your very life is like, there's something different about this person. Come and see. They are drawn to you. And the whole element of Jesus finding Philip. I want to remind you, the day that Jesus found you, Jesus, the Bible says you didn't choose Jesus. He chose you. I want to remind you. Oh, I found, that was the day I found Jesus. No, Jesus found you. That's the day I chose Jesus. No, Jesus chose you. That's the day I surrendered my life to the Lordship of Jesus. No, that's the day that you said, I'm at the end of myself and I can't do anything else. And Jesus uh, allowed you to experience his love and his compassion. That's the gospel message. And every single time, every, I, we, we went to a wedding yesterday. What did we talk about? I says, I'm preaching about Jesus. For three and a half minutes, I'm going to tell you about Jesus. And I'm, the world is so, the world is bold. 
talking about the silly nonsense that they're talking about, and you're afraid to talk about Jesus? So he's saying to you, I'm inviting you, I have found you, and some of us struggle to reach others and preach the gospel. I feel so ill-equipped. If this is the case, I just want you to work within the framework of the fact that you are the light. You turn the light bulb on, it lights. Salt changes the chemical infrastructure of whatever it touches. Light does not struggle. You said yes to the invite. There should be some evidence that you said yes at your workplace. I remember when we, I was pastoring in Ohio, went to, went to a mechanic. Somebody from church recommended a mechanic. We took the car there, and I told him, I said, yeah, my... Uh, uh, you know Mike? Yeah, I know Mike. He comes to my church. He's, he's uh, you know, teaches Sunday school. He goes, he goes to your church? I'm like, yeah, you know, he's, he's one of, he's, a, he's a, you know, he comes to my, he goes, do you really know him? I'm like, I don't want to hear anymore. Because <laughs> you should be the same person at church than you are at your job. The light of the world. You're not the light of the world not here. You're the light of the world out there. In darkness. Oh, it's so hard. Believe it or not. The darker, there is, the darker it is, the, the more light that you have and the opportunity. Jesus found you. That means he was looking. That means he was searching. That means he was intentional. There should be evidence that Jesus found you. This is what Matthew 5.16 says. Let your light shine before men. This completely goes against some people saying, oh, no, 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 no. I, I, I don't want to be seen. That's not what this says. So all men can see so that they may glorify God who is in heaven. So that means wherever you're at, when God is giving you an opportunity, don't pray, God, give me another job. My job is too dark and I don't like it. God, the, the, it's, it's so terrible. People swear and I can't take the cursing. You're the light. You're the light of the world. And Live your, your life in such a way that all men could see. Now, we are to be different. What does that mean as far as the light? You are to be different. How? This is very easy. When you're in, in, at work, when everyone's complaining, you don't complain. Am I being practical enough? <laughs> that means uh, uh, when it, there was a, a lady who, says, who, who comes to this church, she said there was a mass firing. Everybody was swearing and complaining and crying and panicking. And I, wasn't the, and I was the only one not doing those things. So everybody's attention went to who? Guess who? The only one not complaining. Why are you not complaining? Don't complain. Turn to your neighbor and say, stop complaining. Say, stop your whining. While you're at it, stop being a mamby-pamby baby. And tell them anything else you want to tell. You got a free reign. Go ahead. Now, how about simple, the light. I love it when a Christian, I love it when a Christian comes to me. Well, I don't love it. I don't really like it. But I love it when they come to me, a Christian comes to me and accidentally swears. Oh, oh my bad. I usually don't say those words. No, you do. In our home, words like crap. Oh, I'm sorry. She's not, she, or, or stinking. Or stupid. Those are swear words. You too? But listen, change your whole language. Change your verbiage. Change your vocabulary. Those are words of darkness. You're, li you're living in the light. Change your, ex you're an example. Change your attitude. Stop your complaining. 
Stop the swearing. There should be some sort of change in you. Attitudes. Stop with the attitude. We're like, <laughs> am I convicting somebody? Be honest. Yeah, I know. Let's have an altar call now. There's a light. How do I, you, you just, you don't, you just do things completely. We are different from the world. We don't follow the world. I got to tell you, 2024 is election year. Don't try to push me to talk about politics. I don't talk about politics. I talk about kingdom. And our language, Jesus came to push a different agenda. We live in the darkness and we are different in every way and every mind and even in our speech. Why? Because there was that one moment that Jesus found you. You were lost and he found you. And as a result of being found, like Philip, he was speechless. He invited Nathaniel. He says, I don't know how else to say it, but just come and just come and see what the Lord is doing in our lives. And this message at times can be so convicted because we are busy in our lives, man. We're just so busy. We're so driven. We're so agenda driven. Got to do this. Got to do that. Gotta, that we forget that there are people out there who are lost waiting to be found. Jesus found Philip and Philip found Nathaniel. And I love the story with Zacchaeus because Jesus was so intentional on his way to Jericho to, and he's walking through the ca- crowds and Zacchaeus, a wee little man, climbs a tree to see who, what Jesus was about. But when the, the passage in Luke chapter 19 verse 5, I love it when it says, when Jesus reached the spot. Jesus wasn't looking up to Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was short, hiding in a sycamore tree, and Jesus was walking, and he felt this discerning sense where he stopped, where he reached the spot, and he looked up, and he says, I'm going to your house today. How many times are we so going and driven through life? It's so important that we're led by the Spirit and not driven by agenda. How many times have we gone through our lives where we have to maybe just stop when we reach that spot and just have that conversation with that person? See, the thing is that there are Zacchaeuses in our lives. Zacchaeus didn't know Jesus, but there was something there. We had a Zacchaeus moment last week in the Newport campus. We were doing all the ministry things, ministry things, ministry things. Important things like making burgers. And all of a sudden, this guy came along and said, hey, what are you guys doing? Gave him a burger, hot dog, chips, fed his belly. He didn't have a relationship with Jesus. We were busy. We were cleaning up. And this guy comes along, and they lead him to the Lord. Did you preach at him? Did you go, hey, you must repent. You're a sinner. No, it was an invitation. And he didn't even say, I need Jesus. He just said, he didn't say anything. But we knew he needed love. And TJ and Angelo and Noel led him to Jesus. So this week, reached that spot at Home Depot. Lowe's. I don't know, I'm just kind of throwing a couple of random stores out there. Michael's. Christmas tree shops. CVS. Walgreens, Dollar Tree, Chipotle, 
five guys, sorry, five guys, sorry. Y'all are too busy. We're too busy. We're too driven an agenda that Jesus had, he had a plan and he reached a spot and it was, the way he's drafted in the Greek, he was like, hold on, this lady who just checked me out at the cash register looks like she needs a quick talk, a quick word. There's nobody else in line. Let me go back. Reach that spot and stop. The sensitive discerning, what are people looking for? They're looking for hope. Invite rather than instruct. We are good people. We are good at telling people what to do. We are led by the Spirit, not driven by rules. The invitation is organic. Instruction is religious. So what I found interesting in, in John chapter 1 verse 43, where it says, Jesus found Philip. This is what I want you to do. You're Bible scholars. When you see a statement like this, Jesus found Philip, I want you to go, that's something like found. It doesn't say he preached at him. It doesn't say he led him to the Lord. It didn't say, I'm going to lead you in the sinner's prayer. It says, John 1.43, Jesus found Philip. And that found in the original Greek means hurisco, which if you look at it in the Strong's Concordance, is 2147. Okay? Now, I went a step ahead because I said, well, that's Jesus found Philip. What does it mean that G Philip found Nathaniel? And I looked up that word found because sometimes it's a different Greek word. And it's the same Greek word, Strong's Concordance 2147, Hurisco. So I was like, wow. So guess what I did next? I said, I got to look up the definition of found. Found means it's a discovery that was made for the purposes of salvation. So that word found, Hurisco, Strong's 2147, is littered all throughout the gospel having to do with the ministry of Jesus. But it's also mentioned with Philip. S Philip finding Nathaniel is not any less than Jesus finding Philip. Just because Philip was a man, Jesus was man and God, that whole Jurisco is the same power, same passion, same virtue. So when you reach people, Paul says, follow me as I follow Christ. So what's happening here is Pastor Frank here, he's Jesus, he finds me, I'm following Jesus. And then I reach back to a Angelo and I say, Angelo, there's this guy, I got to tell you what God is doing in my life. He's changed me. He's healed my body. He's healed my mind. I no longer struggle with the things I struggle with. I can't explain it. Just come and see. So I'm following Jesus, and guess who Angelo is following? Jesus finds Philip. Philip finds Nathaniel. Now what I like in John chapter 1 verse 48 now is Philip steps out of the picture, and then Nathaniel says to Jesus, where do you know me from? And in verse 48 says this, Jesus answered, I saw you while you were under the fig tree, before Philip called you. So now Philip's out of the picture. Nathaniel has a conversation. He says, how do you know me? Jesus says, I saw you. You know what that word saw you? It says in the, in the Hebrew, in Greek, I know you. So similar to the Hebrew word where before you were born, I knew you. This is before Philip called you, 
I knew you. There are people that Jesus is looking at, seeing and knowing that we haven't touched. And Jesus is, wait, Jesus is waiting for the Philip to touch Nathaniel. I, he says, oh, I saw you. I had my eye on you. I knew you before you were born and before you were in your mother's womb. So I wonder how many times now this week can we stop at the spot? Everybody say stop at the spot. Stop at the spot. Whatever it is, wherever you mentioned it, you said it. Stop at the spot and look up and invite yourself. That's what Jesus, invite yourself into their lives. It's already, it's there. It's close. Jesus sees them and knows them. All you have to do is shine. And what do light bulbs do? Thank you guys. What do light bulbs do? Somebody says, Pastor, I notice you have a, there's a, there's a unique confidence on you. I'm like, I'm the light of the world. God is my father. Some of you make fun of my walk. That's because God is my father. God, God is my, he's my, he's my father. He saved me. He delivered me. He found me. Now, there's different kinds of finds. There's no, there's not a random find. You ever lose something? You ever lose something and somebody, well, where did you put it? Is it, that has to be the most annoying question. <laughs> that question just... Anyway, if you ever lose something and you just quit looking for it, and then all of a sudden you find it years later, you're like, ah, oh, here it goes. And you're kind of like, ah, oh, yeah, yeah, there you are, yeah, whatever. But, it's got, but you found it not because you were intentionally looking for it, because you actually stopped looking for it, right? My mother-in-law tells a story years ago when she lost her wedding band and, and engagement ring at the beach, which is not a place to lose it. They looked everywhere. For years, she just looked everywhere. So my father-in-law bought her a new set. How convenient, Mom. You want a new set? Lose it, Linda. Got it? Just, whoops, go to the beach. My fingers shrunk. And so my father-in-law bought a new set. My, my, my wife was a teen, and then years later, um, we hear my mother-in-law screaming in the bedroom. She found the lost set. Not because she was looking for it. Just kind of like it was in a glass case. She was like, oh, here it goes. So the find that we're talking about here is an intentional, Jesus is intentionally searching and he searched for you, and he purposefully found you. He'll never give up on searching for that set. He'll never say, I am so, I've retraced my steps. I'm done. If I find it, let's just buy another set. He will, he never gives up. I was lost. But now I'm found, and I live my life like I'm found. The world is bold. You know who's going to be bold? Right here right here. I'm going to be bold in Jesus' name, of course. And let the light so shine. So Jesus found you. If you're here today and you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, i got to tell you, the good news is you can get that straightened out all before we leave today. Isn't that good news? That you can finally say on the RSVP, yes. One chicken, one fish. I talk a lot about food. Do I? I know, it's 1240. 
respond. Right, Leah? We, then you have to call them as the bride is like, we sent you an invitation. Can you respond? Some people respond in their head. Today we're going to give you an opportunity to respond right now. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, so important. The most important decision can be made right now at this moment. So I'm going to do me a favor. I'm going to have say a prayer. And this prayer is an invitation to accept Christ as your personal Lord and Savior. Surrender Lordship to Him. Prayer goes like this. Dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. I ask you to forgive me of my sins. I surrender my life to you. Take away the darkness that resides in my mind and heart. I repent. I'm sorry. I want to live for you and accept your grace and your mercy for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.